have to revise our textbook knowledge. I mean, the African swine fever was a kind of exotic disease for many, many years. We know this uh, virus, we know this disease for more, almost 100 years, but, but let's say the last um, years were, were not really relevant for, for many of, of our countries. So the first thing I would say, um, which was quite new and, and somehow surprising for us is the fact that African swine fever is a very slow disease. It spreads slowly, both on the farm, at least at the initial stage, but also among the wild boar population, what we see exactly in, in, in Central Europe. So it, it's also not a highly contagious disease. So it means we have experience um, during the outbreaks that not all pigs um, became infected. And actually, we will talk a little bit later about this. This, um, this fact is also used for kind of new control strategy in China, test and remove. So um, it's not, not highly contagious disease. Hello, I'm Peter Best, and it's my pleasure to welcome you to this episode in the Meet the Experts series of podcasts brought to you by Beringer Ingelheim. Meet the Expert podcasts are on topical aspects of swine health management and practice, and this episode is certainly topical because it's about African swine fever. The conversation you're about to hear is happening against a background of nearly 4,000 new outbreaks notified to the World Animal Health Organization, OIE, in the first six months of 2020, including in countries that have not had the virus before. OIE notes how African swine fever has been spreading globally, most notably since China had its first report of the virus in the year 2018. But in this episode, we want to talk about African swine fever at farm level to pick out some lessons from farms that are broken with the virus. To help us with this highly important topic, I'm pleased to say that our guest is someone who has developed personal expertise of African swine fever on farms in several countries. He is Dr. Thomas Trilla the veterinarian who is a regional technical manager in the swine sector for Beringer Ingelheim, operating out of its regional center in Vienna. Dr. Treller, hello. It's good to speak to you. Hi, Peter. It's good to hear you again. Hello, everybody who is joining us today. Well, I'm really glad to have this opportunity to talk today about African swine fever and my experience I did during the last two or three years. The, the region you cover, before we start on that, is the region Central and Eastern Europe? Yeah, that, that's, that's correct. Uh, I'm based in Vienna, in Austria, and together with our Beringer Ingelheim Regional Center Vienna team, we are supporting all countries in Central and Eastern Europe. So it's a quite a big area. Uh, and this gives me, of course, the opportunity to work very closely with, with swine producers and swine veterinarians in, in, in these countries. And unfortunately, this area is um, partly heavily affected by African swine fever since basically 2014 and some countries even earlier, like, for instance, Russia. 
I'm with you. But is this experience and your work in the region, is is that how you've come to encounter African swine fever then on farms? Yeah, that, that that's correct. Uh, I, I, I'm visiting quite a lot of farms in, 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 in different countries in, in Eastern Europe. And uh, of course, in some areas, Poland, Romania, Russia, we had uh, quite a lot of outbreaks. And, and this gave me opportunity to talk with the people who were involved in these outbreaks and also to gaining a real life practical experience regarding Africa and swine fever. On the top, I can say that um, since 2018, I visited uh, several times China, and uh, this was also a very special experience, uh, which gave me a lot of insight uh, to African swine fever outbreaks. So, basically, uh, so you've seen and analyzed outbreaks of ASF in Asia as well as in Europe, though. That's, that's correct. So, so basically in our region only very few countries are, are ASF free. This is Austria, Czech Republic, um, Switzerland and Slovenia, but basically all others are, are infected and we, we just now uh, are experiencing uh, really a huge problems in Poland, especially Eastern Poland, where we have uh, in recent weeks uh, really a lot of new outbreaks. But what has been your experience in Asia then? You mentioned China. Of course, yes. China, everybody knows that this country was um, hit very, very seriously by African swine fever. Um, at the beginning was was disaster and this is still disaster regarding the, the impact on the, on, the, on the swine industry in, in China. On the other side, I think that, that we can already learn quite a lot of um, about African swine fever uh, from China. Uh, they are improving, they are learning how to control, how to prevent. And I think in a few years, um, there will be a lot of uh, very specific knowledge coming from China and, and giving us opportunity to, to get better control possibilities to African swine fever. Mm. Mm. So I started by saying that, you know, we wanted to learn from farm outbreaks. Would you say that, therefore, that there are lessons we can learn from the case histories on these farms? Yes. So, so I think that first of all, we, we have to revise our textbook knowledge. I mean, the African swine fever was a kind of exotic disease for many, many years. We know this uh, virus, we know this disease for more, almost 100 years, but, but let's say the last um, years were, were not really relevant for, for many of, of our countries. So the first thing I would say, um, which was quite new and, and somehow surprising for us is the fact that African swine fever is a very slow disease. It spreads slowly, both on the farm, at least at the initial stage, but also among the wild boar population, what we see exactly in, in, in Central Europe. So it, it's also not a highly contagious disease. So it means we have experience um, during the outbreaks that not all pigs um, became infected. And actually, we will talk a little bit later about this. This, um, this fact is also used for kind of new control strategy in China, test and remove. So um, it's not, not highly contagious disease. 
The problem we are also facing in Europe um, is that African swine fever is a habitat disease in wild boar. And it makes it very, very difficult to control uh, within the wild boar population. And because um, the wild boars are playing important role as a reservoir, but also as a carrier of the virus, um, the, the control of the wild boar is, is very, very important. At the same time, extremely difficult. We see it in countries like Hungary, like Poland. And finally, what we learn during the last few years that um, you have to be very careful when it comes to clinical uh, diagnosis or, or necropsy. Uh, we frequently do not see a very specific clinical symptoms. On the opposite, we, we have a lot of untypical um, clinical symptoms, untypical pathological uh, lesions. So uh, you must be very cautious as a veterinarian when, when you are diagnosing ASF or, or, or you suspect ASF as, um, as a problem on your farm. So this, this is what was quite new for us, I must say. Mm. I said earlier about the spread of the virus as well. It seems to me we should now be prepared to consider African swine fever as a possibility even where the disease has not been seen before. But as pork producers and veterinary advisors, how will we recognise or detect it unless we've had previous experience of the disease? Yes, it, it, it can be quite difficult. So as I said, um, especially at the beginning, uh, clinical symptoms are very unspecific and only very few peaks uh, may be affected. So you have to keep your eyes open widely. So actually the final diagnosis can be done only based on laboratory tests, which confirm the presence of pathogen, ASF virus. Um, if, if I could just uh, summarize, at the early stage of the infection on the farm, so let's say the first five to 10 days, we may see very nonspecific symptoms like apathy, fever, abortions, but single abortions in sows or gilts, lack of appetite, sometimes sudden death without any specific symptoms. Sometimes after a few days, you might observe some skin discolorations. And again, this, this will happen only in, in few animals. At the same time, other pigs, even in the same pen, they might be fully normal without any symptomatic. So it could be challenging, yeah. Yeah. Uh, ASF is not an easy disease to recognize then, is it? I guess the clinical signs that would be most often associated with it in the past would include fever and evidence of bleeding under the skin, as well as the sudden death you mentioned of some adult pigs. But they are variable, these signs, aren't they? Yes, Peter, you are fully correct. The symptoms may vary. So, Usually, the first five, seven days after infection, we, we, we do not see anything. So, so in the following days, you might see some uh, animals with subcutaneous bleeding, with skin edema, bleeding from the mouth, nose or rectum. But still, 
they are single animals. As I said, sudden death, something very unspecific like abortion could also happen. With the time going on, many pigs became apathic. They can walk only with uh, difficulties. They may become recumbent. And finally, they, they, they will die. But again, not all of them are dying. And so it, it takes time to see, to get really the, the picture what is going on. So it means also the question of the proper um, laboratory diagnostic is, is very important. And um, very important that the farmer is aware about the situation and will call his vet as soon as he has any kind of uh, suspected situation on the farm. Mm -hmm. But as you say, the progress of the infection in a barn can be quite slow so that detection and differentiation from other diseases is difficult. Uh, that's even for a veterinary specialist, isn't it? Yeah, that, that's correct. And, and actually, we, we have a lot of uh, cases in, in the past that, that the veterinarians actually made the wrong diagnosis uh, because they were not thinking about African swine fever. Meanwhile, in, 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 in countries which are affected, I think the knowledge is, is um, quite significant and the vets are very, very cautious. So the early diagnosis is very, very important because, of course, it helps to prevent the spreading of the virus in, in, in the area. So, um, but even for the experienced vet, it could be quite, quite challenging. Um, for the farmers as well, farmers frequently did not, do not see any symptoms or they see something which they say, okay, one abortion, not a big deal, nothing special. I will wait what, what will happen later on. So and after a few days, the situation is um, already worsening. At, of course, during this time, the farm may supply uh, pigs to not only to slaughterhouse, but also to, to other farms. And in this way that the virus is spreading around. So finally, of course, we need to take a samples. This is also a very important point. Do not wait, do not hope maybe the situation will, will go down alone. You have to sample, you have to sample properly and you have to, to use the help and support of laboratories because this is the, the only the final confirmation about your health status on the farm. Mm. So suspect early, act early. Uh, you, this point about early detection and diagnosis, may I just... Go back to that in one sense, though, please. In your own experience of affected farms, did they have a real range of early clinical signs? Would that be right? Um, okay, so so if if let's say based on 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 this, what what I have seen or or what what mm. other colleagues um, explained to me, so I would say that uh, the early signs could include a lack of appetite, uh, high fever which is, um, of course, also reported in, in um, many cases, but may not affect really all animals. So high fever, sometimes sudden death without any specific uh, symptoms, late abortions in sows and gills, so could be very, very similar to PRS-related abortions. And again, you will never see that all animals are suffering. So you will not see these clinical symptoms in all animals. 
but actually only in few. Occasionally, the pigs in these farms, they showed also bleeding under the skin, so the, the subcutaneous bleedings in different forms and extent. Mm. On these farms, which pigs were affected first in the sense of showing uh, obvious signs? Were these the older pigs on the on the site? Uh, well, actually, in, in, in my experience, uh, most of the cases, the elder pigs uh, were affected first. So it means uh, sows, gilts, or finishers. Mm. Um, but again, I have seen also a case where the winners were affected first. So I, I think, again, there is no rule. All pigs of any age could be affected first. Let me pause for a moment to remind everyone that more information on this conversation, like articles, publications and videos, can be found on the website purs.com. Yeah, and, and I understand from you then on these farms that there was not much sign at first either of a fever or a loss of appetite, for example. Yeah, this is especially challenging in, in the beginning of, of, of the infection because the really a lot of symptoms are very non-specific, so very easy to overlook. So lack of appetite, fever, abortions, maybe some kind of apathy. So this this is this is very unspecific. Um, for instance, if if in one of the cases we had a farrow to finish farm with 600 sows, and the first symptoms were basically two abortions in one night. So. One case said is nothing, nothing else. So, and the sows which aborted, they were fully normal, no fever, eating normally, so just abortion. So, but in this case, the vet was really acting um, very cautiously and immediately sent the samples for ASF testing. Unfortunately, for these farms, they were positive, but on the other side, they were able to get a really early diagnosis and and prevent the, the spreading of the virus. Mm. Any any coughing, vomiting, diarrhea? I've heard also there can also be swollen joints, and the pigs can appear to be exhausted or lacking in energy. Did you see those sort of things? Yes, absolutely correct. So all these symptoms you you are uh, mentioning here, you can see them, and we are we we really um, have seen them. Sometimes only in the later stage, usually seven, 10 days after we have the first uh, symptoms. Um, I, I can also say from based on the European experience that uh, after a large farm is affected with um, African swine fever, of course, there is um, a procedure which um, asks for cooling all the pigs on the farms, but it, but it takes time. So imagine, a farm with with 15 20000 pigs you cannot destroy all these pigs within 2 or 3 days so it takes several days sometimes 7 to 14 days it's a huge logistic effort and by the way an extremely set set even for all people involved in 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 these activities but during this time you can observe how the infection is spreading inside the farm and what symptoms are observed. So we could see respiratory symptoms, which could be very similar to any kind of respiratory complex. So it's coughing, dyspnea, increased respiratory rate, nasal discharge, frequently with blood. Uh, we can see diarrhea, again, with uh, frequently with bleeding uh, from the rectum. 
so different amount of blood. Uh, you mentioned swollen joints. Yes, we we could see also a kind of abscess-like lesions on the legs. So swollen, abscess-like uh, lesions, necrosis of skin in, in joint area, but also skin necrosis could be seen in, in other parts like ears. Um, and finally, yes, the advanced stage, many pigs are apathic. Uh, they stop eating totally. Um, after a few days um, during the cooling, you will see that they are totally exhausted. They are not moving. Um, they are recumbent or showing ataxia. And, and basically, this is, this is the final stage of, of, of the disease. Mm. So they, they are dying then. Mm. Thank you for that. Uh, let me pause for a moment, Dr. Trell, please, to remind our listeners that this is a Meet the Expert podcast in the series that aims to provide you with practical information of help in safeguarding and improving health at the swine farm level and on related sites under your care. In this episode, we're talking about African swine fever at farm level with Dr. Thomas Treller, who is the technical manager for swine in Central and Eastern Europe at Beringer Ingheim. Dr. Treller, from your personal experience, you've indicated therefore a big difference in clinical science with ASF from pig to pig and from farm to farm. Were there any signs that actually occurred more commonly in these case histories? Yes, so so I would say be very careful about uh, skin discolorations or, or skin hemorrhages in different form and extent. So we can see this subcutaneous petechial bleeding, uh, scattered ecchymosis, some necrotic fossae. So any kind of skin discolorations, bleeding uh, uh, should make you alert. So we, we have a cases in the past that, that the people uh, confused these uh, symptoms, for instance, with erzipelas. So mm. this this is already a kind of alarming, alarming sign. Um, this, yes, it sounds very much like the sort of diamonds you see with erysipelas, yeah. doesn't it? It may be similar, maybe different, but basically um, this, this skin discoloration, which could be red or, or a kind of dark red, uh, sometimes really just the points on the skin, sometimes larger areas. So we re remember many years ago the blue ear disease, which is um, today recognized as a porcine reproductive and respiratory syndromes, this could be also very similar. So be careful about this, this skin um, uh, discolorations or, or skin signs and, and always think about um, possible um, African swine fever infection. Yeah. Okay, thanks. Can we turn then to post-mortem necropsy? What evidence uh, came from the necropsy of pigs from these farms? I think that the, the first key lesson was not to pay attention to very specific uh, lesions. So it means that we have cases where we found very unspecific lesions or in, uh, in other words, we were missing these very specific lesions like uh, bleeding in bladder, uh, enlarged spleen. Uh, we had spleen without lesions. We have uh, 
bladder without bleedings. We have a kidneys which which were looking totally normal. So it means you have to be careful. And we do not see the same, let's call it lesion set in every animal. So you have to keep your eyes really open. Uh, what I would say, uh, what was a very common, and this is, I think, uh, confirmed also by some experimental uh, observations um, also, we see frequently hemorrhagic findings in skin, in, in subcutaneous tissue, very frequently in lymph nodes, of course, spleen. Spleen could be very, very hemorrhagic, so very, very enlarged, but also heart, pericardium, myocardium, kidneys, frequently bladder, but again, could be also without any lesions. But I would say the lymph nodes uh, are a very, very important um, element for, for making, making post-mortem uh, diagnosis. They are almost always enlarged, hyperemic, dark red, Sometimes they look uh, like a blood clot. The, 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 the consistency is totally different as, as a normal lymph nodes. Uh, sometimes we see the signs of necrosis. Um, I would say also epiglottis. If you go to, to epiglottis, you will find a lot of bleeding. Basically, also larynx is almost always hyperemic. As I already mentioned, heart, you will see pericardial bleeding, uh, you will see bleeding in endocardium and, and myocardium. So also look at this, this organ. Lungs, I would say a little bit difficult because uh, you might found, of course, a lot of uh, other lesions which are related to, to the previous respiratory infections. They might be related to African swain fever, but, but usually in the lungs, we, we might see a totally different region. So uh, so from a co-infection. Yeah, yeah. the previous co-infection or, or ongoing. I mean, yeah. you, you might have uh, ASF outbreak on the farm, which is suffering from respiratory complex. Yeah, mm -hmm. so so making a necropsy of, of the pig, which which uh, was eaten,ized or died due, due to, to African swine fever, you will find, of course, these, these lesions as well. Intestinal sections, so we see basically in all sections of intestinal uh, bleedings uh, from the intestinal wall. Frequently, the intestinal contents had a lot of blood. Uh, kidneys, different picture, a lot of bleeding, subcapsular, parenchymal. So, but to summarize, I would say, of course, lymph nodes, um, hemorrhagic enlarged enlarge spleen, so we are talking about splenomegaly, red, dark red petechias, uh, gallbladder could be also frequently enlarged with uh, edematous wall, with, with bile mixed with blood. Um, so this, this could be a kind of most common findings. And of course, this, this skin and, and subcutaneous uh, lesions in kind of um, uh, different type of hemorrhages. Hmm. On these farms, then, what, what diagnostic methods were used? What were the results of those diagnoses? So uh, you mean you mean the laboratory diagnostic? Yes, that's right. Okay. Yes, so so basically, we have we have today 
two uh, possibilities. So the most important one is the, the PCR, the polymerase chain reaction. So this is what uh, we can use to, to make a proof of the pathogen's DNA in blood or any other body tissues or organs. So this is a direct proof of the pathogen. And we can also use serological tests, so based on, on, on ELISA, where we can confirm the, the presence of specific antibodies as a proof of contact with the pathogen. However, I think in both methods, especially, of course, in serology, we have to be extremely careful about false negative results. Um, why? it could happen. First of all, when we are talking about PCR, uh, you have to be careful because we know that not all infected pigs may be viremic. So it means that at the moment we are taking a blood sample, uh, the virus may be not present in the blood. So actually the virus is present, for instance, in organs, in spleen, in bone marrow in lymph nodes, but not exactly at that moment in, in the blood. So you will get a false negative results uh, taking just the blood. So it means you have to ensure that you are taking enough samples. So a large number of samples um, is very, very important. Just just uh, example from, from the real life, we had a farm uh, where we already know that the, the ASF is um, ongoing there. And we, we took, um, or the vet took more than, than 1,200 uh, 1, samples. And actually, a few days after the infection was confirmed, we had only eight positive. So it's, it's a really a very, on this farm, the, the percentage of viremic peaks was very, very low. Eight peaks out of 1,200. So it means that you have to increase the... the uh, the, the, let's say that the precisely diagnostic by increasing the samples number, but also to take the samples of organs and tissues from dead animals. For instance, bone marrow, uh, spleen, lymph nodes. This is very important. Use only certified laboratories. It can happen and it it happened in the past that some laboratories make some mistakes. I think nowadays, of course, they are also working better. And the last remark regarding serological tests, uh, we have to remember that uh, it takes time uh, to get seroconversion. So it means that specific antibodies um, are observed um, five to 10 days after infection. And then not in all peaks. So it means there will be peaks which are infected or peaks which had a contact with the virus and they are still seronegative. You will not find specific antibodies there. So it means that the PCR is the most uh, important uh, diagnostic uh, procedure. Remember to take enough samples. Remember to take enough uh, type of samples, not only blood, go for organs. Um, and then you, you, you have uh, used also qualified laboratories to ensure that, that the procedure in the lab is, is properly yeah. done. You, you mentioned number and type of samples. Um, does it have a big impact what type of animal in terms of age or stage you're going to take those samples from? Do you need to be representative of every animal on the site? 
I think it's uh, first of all, of course, you have to sample animals with with, with the symptoms or clinical symptoms mm-hmm. or, or those who actually died, and 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 this is what what uh, we frequently do that that uh, actually monitoring a suspected farm. We we were we were testing every pig uh, or every pig which died, and 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 we found in those pigs um, the virus. So. Um, not only blood, as I said, they may be not always viremic. So go, for instance, uh, for spleen, for lymph nodes. But we realize also that the bone marrow could be a very good source of uh, of the virus. So so the bone marrow from the from the long bones uh, could be a very useful specimen for for PCR testing. Thank you, Dr. Trella. At this point, let me say to our listeners that this brings us to the end of our first podcast, talking to Dr. Thomas Treller, who is the Technical Manager for Swine in Central and Eastern Europe at Beringer Ingelheim, about the recognition and diagnosis of African swine fever. But in a second podcast, you will find a further part of our conversation, in which Dr. Treller discusses aspects of the transmission of the African swine fever virus and what measures swine farms should consider to protect themselves against it. For the moment then, thank you to Dr. Treller. Thanks also to our listeners. Goodbye and stay tuned. We want to remind you that more information on this conversation, like articles, publications and videos, can be found on the website pers.com.